welcome to 1322 Life. I'm so excited this week because we have a special guest. Her name is Ariel Dean, and I'm just happy to have her here with us. Ariel is an innovation executive, host of the Independent Mom podcast, speaker, and mother to an adorable daughter. However, her greatest accomplishment is in innovating her life. After being laid off while seven months pregnant, whoo, child, I don't even want to know how that felt. <laughs> um, she struggled financially until God helped her see the importance of managing and stewarding her money, not just making more money. Today, she has paid off over $25,000 in credit card debt, increased her credit score over 150 points, and is the owner of a multi-unit real estate property. Through her podcast, she inspires and equips moms to own their finances, reimagine their motherhood, and live a wealthy life with or without a partner. She wants all moms to know that it is never too late to turn your money story and your life around. So welcome, Ariel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, I love your story. It's so powerful. And um, it's just, it's great to see that, like, you really got serious about your finances to get rid of that debt and then to not only um, do the bare minimum. So you got rid of your debt, <laughs> you increased your credit score, but then you also started investing. So uh, with your multi-unit, is it fourplex, duplex? Three, it's threeplex. Okay, awesome, awesome. So you have a triplex. That is amazing. So just Start and share your journey with us. Um, seven months pregnant, laid off. This yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always tell people because I feel like, especially right now, when there's murmurings of layoffs, um, my story I would say was interesting because I had had, I had had the itch to leave my job before I got laid off, and I kept being like, "Well, you know, I'll hang around. I don't really like what they're doing. I don't really like this anymore, but whatever. And then when I found out I was pregnant, because it was definitely a surprise, I was like, oh, well then, you know, I'm going to stay. I'll stay on. I'll make it work. Um, and so when I got laid off, because the company at the time was being acquired, and I even remember like sitting in before they laid me off and they're like, so do you think you're going to come back after you have your baby? And I was like, this is a really strange. I mean, I think they all ask that now, um, even though it should be outlawed in my opinion, but um, they're like, do you think you're going to come back? And they're asking all these questions. And I was like, yeah. And I just, I had this, this inkling inside, but I will never forget when the day came and it was like after a holiday and they took us up to, um, took me up to one of the conference rooms and I was like, oh, they must just be, you know, talking about a new project or something that's coming up. I just had no clue. And so when they said that I was going to have to be let go, the first thing that popped into my mind was, oh my gosh, like I am do like, what am I going to do about my baby? Luckily, I don't know if it's luckily, but like gratefully, <laughs> um, I did have my insurance up until my baby was born, but essentially after that, I had to go on Cobra or whatever it is, which is like super expensive. Um, and at the time, so as I said, it wasn't, wasn't planned. I was not married. Um, and so I ended up having to move out of my apartment. I was living in the heart of downtown Chicago in a high rise building, not thinking, I mean, I was definitely you know, I was investing in my retirement and I was, you know, I was spending, but I wasn't like going crazy spending, but I wasn't making a ton of money. And I was definitely living probably above my means because all of my friends were making probably way more money than I was. Um, and so it just hit me and I was like, 
I'm going to have to go and move and stay with my daughter's father. And he lived miles outside of downtown Chicago. I used to walk to work. Then I had to take a train and a car. Like it was just such a, such a burden. And so it took me a really long time because in that period, all I could think about was, okay, how do I make more money? How do I make more money? How do I make more? So I did consulting a little bit and I do a few things here and there. Um, And so what's interesting about my story is I actually started to make some traction. I got a new job. I was making more money and I thought I'd be fine. And what happened was I was at this new job and I was like, okay, like stuff has been rough, but you know, I'll be fine now. I've got this job. I'm going to keep making more money. And I went into work one day and I opened up my email and there was an email from the corporate credit card team. And the email was like, Ariel Dean, your application for a corporate credit card has been denied. And I was just like, denied? Like, what? <laughs> like, I couldn't, like, I had never in a million years thought that not taking care of my actual credit was going to impact my ability to get a corporate credit card. And I knew in that moment, I was like, oh crap, like everything is going to start falling apart. And that is when I ran to my car because I was like, I have to hide. I have to go somewhere safe. Like if anyone sees this, if anyone sees me, like how am I going to explain this to this new job? My new manager won't be able to go on trips. I won't be able to pay for dinner. Um, And I was sitting in the car and I just started crying. I started bawling. And I was like, God, like, how is this still happening to me? How is this still happening? Um, And that's when God said to me, new things can hide what's broken on the inside. And I had been trying to get every new job and every new hustle and every new thing, but I wasn't actually fixing the reason why I was spending money, the reason why I was being reckless with my money, all of those things. And so God, I think really sort of sat me down and helped me get honest and serious about my situation. All the things I was hiding, I was pretending like I meant to get pregnant. Like I was doing all sorts of things to try to hide what was happening with me. And so when I finally got honest about that, I was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) What do I do? And so that's when I asked God again, like, how do I get out of this? How do I do this? And he just said to me, what are you doing with what you already have? Mm. And I didn't get it at first. And then over time, I just kept asking myself. And that's when I started really getting on this journey of learning more about finances and money management and trying to really be a better a better steward of the money that God had already given me. So mm-hmm. long way to answer your question, but that's sort of the, the, the way that it got me to this point. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And that is just it's very important to deal with that. Like a lot of people think that when it comes to finances, it's like, oh, I just need a budget or, oh, I just need this. You can have a budget and you can throw it out the window and never follow it. You can mm-hmm. sit down and do all the motions of everything and never actually implement any of the things that you yes. want and get nowhere. And the reason why is because you have either trauma or some kind of problem yeah. stopping you from dealing with your like finances properly. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's like, maybe it's like, it's a trigger and it's like, this is how I go to make myself feel good is I go shopping and I go spending, or maybe it's insecurity issues. And it's like, 
oh, I have to keep up with my friends or with my circle or with my peers because I don't want anyone yep. to look down on me or think that I'm poor. And yep. it could be for some people, maybe they grew up poor. Maybe they grew up and they didn't have, and then now they're adults and they're like, I'm going to have it all. And, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And, you know, and so they spend every last penny trying to have it all and end up with nothing. Um, yeah. Because your paycheck to paycheck, there's no room to breathe. There's no room to actually save or to prepare for a rainy day. And there's so many of us that are just like, they say that, um, like, I think over 80 or 90% of Americans can't even afford a $500 emergency. That's right. Yeah. And that's insane to me. It like is. $500, like that's, crazy. that's a car breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is. I mean, and, and it's true because I feel like, you know, especially because I came out, right. And I made, you know, I made a decent amount of money. And so once you get used to that, you just kind of think, well, there'd just always be a paycheck, right? Like I didn't think mm -hmm. I was spending extravagantly. I just sort of was like, oh. and but having a kid, right, is a much bigger expense oh, yeah. than when you're taking care of yourself, right? Because I could not go to a few dinners and that would save me, you know, a few hundred dollars. But when I have a child, she's got to eat, she's got to have diapers, you know, she's got to go to daycare. Like the expenses were just insane. And I just didn't have... I didn't have a system or a process to keep myself accountable and to keep myself moving in that direction. And so that was a big part of what shifted for me. That is awesome. Now, what about when, with the corporate credit card? So did you need it for your job? So like you had to apply, you had to apply to be on your company that you were working for a credit card? Yeah. So the way that my job work is typically like if we're going to go, um, if I do a work trip or if we have a work dinner, I get a, uh, I have a corporate card at card that's in my personal name, but I mean, my job basically pays it on my behalf, right? Whenever I can expense something. And so it was basically like the first, like the first few days, right? You sign up, they make you get the corporate credit card. And then my boss is like, well, once you get your card, then you can go ahead and you can start booking some of these other meetings and travel. And I was like, I don't, like, what am I going to do? I can't tell her I didn't get approved. And so what ended up happening was I put things on my personal credit card and I just kept saying, oh yeah, like I couldn't get through. There was a complication with the corporate credit card office. And it was just like, it was like this mounding stress of trying to hide and trying to make up stories and trying to pretend. And that's when God was like, you just, you've got to let it all go. Interestingly enough, though, I did like that was that was the fire that lit little spark or sort of like really ignited me into being like, I have got to get a hold of this. Right. I think when it was just when it was just affecting me. Right. I felt like I could still hide it. I could still keep it from people. But professionally, I had always been on top of things. Right. Like I always went to great mm -hmm. schools. I was always the achiever. So the the thought of it affecting my professional brand was really what I think made me be like, oh my goodness, like this can really start to affect you. And it was also a realization that it was all on me, right? Like it wasn't just the fact that I had been laid off and I could like I couldn't keep putting all these excuses on everybody else as like, oh, this is why this is happening to me. It was like, no, this is you. <laughs> and you're gonna have to figure out how to get yourself out of this. Um, and that is a lot of what drove me to get a lot more, a lot more intentional about my money and my spending. 
So did it cost you your job not being able to get that corporate credit card? Or did you ever come clean and tell them that you got denied? No, actually, I'm sure they don't <laughs> even know to this day. <laughs> um, because um, it didn't cost me my job because I was able to basically work around it. I was able to pretend. And then in very short amount of time, I got very, very serious about figuring out how I could get just enough things off of my credit to be able to still qualify. And so I started getting super zealous. I was doing, um, selling things on Amazon. I was like, I was just looking for anything that could help me get some of this debt off or remove any sort of late payments. And I had a bunch of things. I had a condo from years ago um, that I had done a deed in lieu during like 2008, 2009, which is basically like the one step before foreclosure, essentially, oh. you basically give the deed to your property back over to the bank before they foreclose on it. Um, because in 2008, I moved out of state to go to business school and I couldn't get, um, I had a tenant, but I was still trying to pay my condo fees, which is why I'm like adamantly against people getting condos. Um, and so that cost me that property for the most part. And so that was on my credit, but it was supposed to have fallen off. And like, there was a lot of things that I had never even paid attention to. Uh, but that was sort of the beginning of my wake up call to, to move in that direction. But thankfully, no, it did not cost me my job. Not at that moment. Okay. Well, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> like you already went through enough with being laid off at seven months. Like tell me about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It had been a rough, you know, few years leading up to that point. And those are all of the things that I think God was sort of like, you've got to really sit with some of these things. So it was, it was, it was a timeless time. Cause I mean, years before that I had a fiance who passed away suddenly and then sort of met my daughter's father and thought like, okay, like I'm back on, back on a path. And then it was like, oh, like you're back down in a ditch. Right. And so it just was this constant cycle of things until I could get really clear and honest about all of it. And I think that's a huge part of getting on a proper money journey is like clearing out all of the things that maybe you're buying to hide or to, to your point earlier, to, to try to appease what's going on internally. But when that can really be cleared out fully, I think it allows you to be open to the abundance and the goodness and the discipline that you need to think about your money. And I just want to thank you for your honesty and just like even sharing that openly, because a lot of people are embarrassed about their past with their finances or uh, the troubles that they went through. Um, and I mean, I've even had people where it's like they're writing a review and they're like, uh, if I tell them that I started saving X amount with you, they're mm -hmm. gonna be like, oh, he was just throwing away money or what were they doing with their money? <laughs> and I'm like, look, it is OK. Like, you just don't know how much other people are being affected That's by true. things there there are other people that have a whole lot of debt there's other people where maybe actually their credit score cost them a good job um yeah yeah possibly be fired there's other people that have you know dealt with being a single mother or um you know unexpected pregnancy i dealt with an unexpected pregnancy mm -hmm, for sure. mm -hmm. um <laughs> so, you know and having to navigate that and you know they're each of our journey is just that of our own. Like yeah. none of us are perfect. And we all have hiccups that come along the way where it's just like, we have to navigate that and each story is different. But, you oh. know, I, I appreciate you being honest about it because the fact that majority of Americans cannot afford a $500 expense. Yeah. And uh, that means that majority of Americans are not handling their money well. It's true. No, so. I think it's definitely true. And I think there's a lot of people who think as long as I make 
six figures. As long as I make right this certain amount of money, I'll be fine. Right. And that, <laughs> that is not the, often I think it's worse, right? Because it's easy to mask that you are managing your money. But when something really happens, like that was, I think my scenario, you realize how much you're not and how detrimental it could actually be. Yeah. And I think also COVID taught that to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that were making great money. And then all of a sudden they got the rug like pulled from under. Yeah. They lost their good jobs, their six figure jobs and like pilots, especially. And they had to come up, come to the reality that, oh my God, like nothing is certain. That's right. (laughs) And I didn't plan Nothing. for this. I didn't plan for my finances at all. And I just, <laughs> right. and because I ignored them, I'm hurting right now. And I'm yep. like, some people were on the brink of homelessness versus if they would have taken care of their finances, they could have been sitting pretty the entire time mm-hmm. and the pandemic not affect them or them losing their job, not affect them. So it's just like how we handle our money today will definitely affect our tomorrow. Um, yes. And sometimes poor money habits catch up and bite people in the butt the same way that good money habits <laughs> yeah there to be a nice soft cushion for you yeah yeah so how old is your daughter she is seven she is seven probably going on 17 <laughs> but she's got lots of personality oh <laughs> yeah she is seven now so it's been about seven years or so yeah okay so you've been on this journey for quite a while and yeah, I mean, it's funny you talked about COVID because um, during COVID, I was furloughed for about like a month and a half or something from my job. And I remember thinking to myself, when I was in this position years before, how detrimental it was. And actually in 2020, I think I made more money because what I ended up doing is I ended up consulting and I already had like cash flow. And so I actually wasn't, it was like a completely reversal, right, of the, of mm. the last time this happened. And so it was just such a good reminder and indicator right of like look at all the progress that you've made that like you were furloughed for a month and you're like I'm good (laughs) like this is fine um and I actually ended up finding ways to increase my income more during that time and so I just think um yeah so it's been a journey for sure yes that is beautiful I love that because I felt guilty during COVID I'm not gonna lie Mm. because I heard about all the layoffs I heard about all the other people hurting and I was like all I did was lose expenses because yeah. now my kids get to stay home with me. So I don't have to ca- pay for daycare or aftercare or any of those things. I still mm-hmm. have my job. My husband still has his job. We're making the same amount of money and actually yeah. and I'm saving on gas. I don't have to go anywhere. Like I know. COVID was, it was a great. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, COVID itself was bad. Yeah. 100%. yeah. But yes, but, it was. Like, I saved a ton of money <laughs> just like not commuting, not paying tolls, not paying gas. I mean, yeah, it was. And the daycare and before and after care was the biggest for me. And being able to be yeah. home with my kids. Now, I also learned teaching my own children is not my ministry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely have to say I was super, super blessed because the school my daughter goes to, they were in school almost for most of COVID because they have like a super outdoor area and like each of the classrooms are on their own little, like small little schoolhouse. I don't even know how to describe it. And so we were out, I think the beginning of COVID, right? Like I think everybody was out, but by the following year she was in school and I was like, thank God. I could not do homeschooling. That was just, woo, that was not my ministry at all. 
<laughs> that is beautiful. And like, see, for me, my oldest, um, so my daughter I had on my own, we are a blended family. So yep. my oldest, she was in private school. Mm-hmm. So she was basically in school the entire time. There's yeah. like 10, 13 kids in a class. It was like, no one caught COVID. No one. Yeah, got same. They were the so lucky. Time. Yeah. In school every single day, except for when it first broke out. So like that. Right. Moment. Yeah. As I was gonna say, very similar. We had very similar. Yep. Yeah. But after that, when it started back up in August, it was yeah. like, see you later. I know. Love you. So bad. I was like, I don't know how people did that for years. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was, um, it's unbelievable. I had to do it with my middle two because we're a blended family. So we um we actually had to fight to be able to finally get them in private school. So now all of our kids are going to private school. This yeah. school is coming up, praise the Lord. But yeah, they're amazing. in public school. And public yep. school is not open. And then they were at a public school where the teacher just like checked out. Did not oh, hear from wow. her for a week. Um, mm. when COVID first started and then being told that you got to get some of these packets and stuff done last minute where it's like I've mm-hmm. been doing my own thing with her now I gotta get caught up on these like yeah. packets from the dark ages <laughs> and it was like a hot mess I, I was like oh my god I can't do that I know like it was it, it was, I was it was brutal yeah my mom's a teacher I do not want mm-hmm. to be one ever <laughs> like, I definitely couldn't I my same thing my sister well she's not a teacher anymore but she used to be a long time ago and so with with my niece it's funny because you say it because I feel like there was this huge influx of people who ended up going to private schools I think mm-hmm. after COVID our school they said they hadn't had the level of enrollment since like 2008 or something crazy after COVID because everyone was just trying to get in but she she like there was definitely a period of time when she pulled out her like old teacher self and she had the lesson like she was doing all out and I was like your homeschooling looks very different from my homeschool <laughs> I was like maybe maybe we should put the cousins together and you can just teach both of them because our household is not going so well <laughs> so it was it was it was quite I funny <laughs> yeah I was like I wish I had taken more classes on how to teach kids how to learn things so that did not work well <laughs> and see I'm great at homework time and it's not like I don't understand it it's just the frustration that comes yes, they're not getting the frustration it. yeah where it's like I, I don't know how many times I gotta walk away and come back and be like let's try this okay again. yeah exactly let's try a different approach what if uh-huh. I do it this way I think too just like when you're the mom I just feel like it's just a different situation, right? It like is. my daughter, she just doesn't like it when I push her out. She just like, she's like, I understand. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, okay, you understand. We'll try something else then. Oh, uh-huh, okay. It's like, all right now, sassy. All right. I know. Exactly. Really, I'm getting on your nerves now. Let me figure something I know. out. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness. I want you to be empowered, but not against me. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I was like, okay, I don't yeah. care what these teachers want. I don't care what supply to ask for. I always was like, I'm going to give you all the things you need anyway. Mm-hmm. But now I was like, how can I go above and beyond for these people? Because yeah. take these kids. I don't want them at home. <laughs> I know. Like, I love the time home with them where it's like, I can play. We can yes. talk. We can do fun stuff together. Yes. But it's like, anything more than just homework it's like no thank you I know. <laughs> I don't 
I know. And it's just hard, right? When you're still trying to juggle work and their yeah. need, right? And then they're like, oh my gosh, mommy, why are you always working? And I'm like, well, I work the same amount of time normally. You're just not here. Exactly. So it's like a different, but yeah, it's just, it was, yeah, it was rough for sure. That added mom guilt for sure. Like, mm-hmm. um, you're here and I'm not able to spend time with you because I have to get this work done. And I was like, mm-hmm. I had my office set up and then I had like a kid here and a kid here. <laughs> yes. I had one on a Chromebook. And like, I I'm just kind of like, and then I'm hearing the teachers and then I'm trying to- I know, I'm like running over. I know. And that like was also be on top. It was just, it was such a hot mess that I was just like, oh it my was. gosh. <laughs> Yes, uh, I didn't agree. admit to go on a COVID ramp, but <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> but yeah, that is so. Tell me about how long was it before you went and got your triplex, and also for it to be in the Chicago? Are you still in the Chicago area? No, so I lived in Chicago for about ten years. So then we just moved, um, uh, right actually right around right around COVID, um, and so that was really a. I mean, one of the things I talk a lot about is. And this is always a hot debate for people, right? It's like, do you pay off all your debt or do you get investments, right? And so one of the things I started to look at was I would say like, you know, I could put this money towards paying off debt that's like at 4% mm-hmm. or I could take advantage and I could buy into something that I know is going to probably grow and appreciate. And then I might have access to even be able to pull from that money, right? Whether I refinance or cash out refinance or mm-hmm. just take, I mean, you know, when very early on in getting that unit, you're not going to get a ton of cash out of it in terms of that. Um, but being able to, being able to sort of use that and know that, hey, if I decide to sell that, that's going to make a pretty good amount of money because I knew sort of where the market was and where I was able to buy it. Um, and so I would say, it, it's hard to say exactly probably where that was in the journey, but I definitely went through credit card debt first, right? Because I talk a lot about how I do believe Credit card debt is the worst one because it is almost impossible to get rid of if you don't get after it very aggressively and they are under absolutely no incentive to help you get out of it, right? So credit card debt is the worst. It also negatively affects your credit score often the most compared to other things, right? So I always say, you know, student loan debt is bad, right? But it doesn't really hurt you from doing a lot of things. Student loan debt doesn't carry over to your children. Student loan, right? Like you could pay student loan debt for 50 years if you want to do and the government would let you. I'm not recommending that. No, I'm just saying, right? Like that there, the debt is different, right? And I think we do have to understand how to think about debt in different ways. And I always say to people, like people are very, people have no problem spending $400,000 on a home that is debt, right? That has a 5%, a 6% interest rate. And, but yet, you know, people really freak out when they have like some student loan debt. So long story short. Difference because I feel like when it comes to a home, that's an asset that can produce you more money. And when it eventually, yes. Well, eventually if it's your primary home immediately if it's a unit that you're renting out or it's a renting out correct yes and so when it comes to that it's definitely an asset for me versus student loan debt one you can get the same education at 40k 100k 300k and it's going to have the exact same effect and people like to go for these 100 300k amount of debt where it's like that's yes. very necessary and uncalled for majority of the time getting a master's degree is going to cost double what your bachelor's costs and you're not going to get even nearly that kind of raise um yeah yeah majority of fields so it's just like 
a lot of the student loans, it doesn't have a high in return on investment. Do I, I mean, I, I have a college degree, you know, right, 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 I yeah. my bachelor's, I double majored in accounting and finance. So do I believe in education? Yes. When it's yes. necessary. And for my field, I'm happy with having my bachelor's. Am I yes, getting a yes. No, I'm a CPA. Yes, I'm, exactly. You know, I don't need to spend 40 to 60,000 additional dollars or 80,000 additional dollars to have MBA next to my name too. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and so I think that people really get into um, also just like black women, especially us. We we love our degrees. Some of that us is so true. I know. Yeah. So educated and we are very educated. We're very smart, um, but we're going into six figures debt. It's for, true. Ultimately, what I feel like is no reason. It's pointless. Like we could do a lot more with less. Like we can make a lot more money with just getting a lot of experience and yeah. getting the minimum degrees, like a bachelor's or something in that field and then letting them. And if they want you to get a master's, let that job pay for it. I'm going to go. Ahead no, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> I, definitely, I mean, I definitely, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, I mean, I definitely cannot knock. I know a lot of people with law degrees who make a lot of money. Oh, <laughs> now, that's lot different. Of, that's different. Right. Or, but you know, saying- MBA, right? Like I think coming out with my MBA, I, you know, I probably three times my income of what I was making before. Right. But yeah. I agree with you to an extent that I do think we tend to, we tend to think that we have to have all of the degrees, right. In order to be able to do, to do certain things. Right. And I do think in certain circumstances, right. Like it does give you access to spaces and places that maybe you wouldn't have those opportunities to do otherwise, right? But I think we're much more, like to your point, I think we are much more open to going into six figures of debt for education, which I always say, I mean, I do believe anytime you invest in yourself for education, that to me is the best ROI. Because the more you invest in yourself, no one can ever take that away. No one can ever devalue it, right? It always allows you to make more opportunities for yourself, to meet people who can bring you to opportunities, to create partnerships. And while real estate, I think, is huge, right? Like, I had real estate in 2008, and a lot (laughs) of people had real estate in 2008, and ended up with nothing, right? And so I agree that to some extent, buying a property, right, is an asset. It It will most often appreciate, but it doesn't always appreciate. And even in those first few years, when you buy any property, while you are making money, you're not yet profitable. Because if you think about the amount of money you often put in to purchase, to upkeep, to property manage, right? Like all those things, it's usually technically a few years before you're making your full on profit back, right? Depending on where you live, right? And depending on what the units look like, right? And also How your strategy behind it too. Because there's yes, for sure. ways you can do that to take all of your money back out of it, like the Burr method. So like- right. when But that still takes time. That's not like immediately. But a lot of people can do the Burr method sometimes within three to six months or, you know, like if they're very- uh, I guess so. And so, um, but it usually doesn't even take a full year because, and it just depends on what your strategy is, right? And the interest rates, right? Interest rates, strategy, how you plan to go about it, that all makes a huge difference. Right now, while APRs are at 7%, it's like, woo, ah, (laughs) exactly. I don't want to refund nothing. Exactly, yes. But when we were in the 2 to 3% range, it it was crazy phenomenal returns. And then, so it's like, 
timing is important. What yes. the market is doing is important, but having proper strategy in place and knowing what risk you're willing to take is important as well. And just like the same way every single real estate property doesn't appreciate, there's people with doctorates that are waitresses and that aren't making yeah. money. <laughs> no, I think that's definitely that, true. You know, definitely true. $300,000 degrees and yes. they're not worth it. They're, they're not worth $10,000. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great that we can get education. I think it's very important to be educated, but you can also get an education for a much lower price. You can also yeah, read yeah. those same textbooks for a hundred bucks or less or rent it from your local library. You still have the knowledge in your brain, whether you got a degree yep, or yep. not, you know? So you can still do the things. You can still be educated on it without having to spend $80,000 to say that you want to do it. Like, you know? So I just yeah, yeah. I look at creative ways to do things because I definitely looked at like the MBA curriculum and mm-hmm. I, I've noted all their books and went ahead and got them. Like, yep, so that I can yep. be like, oh, what one of these will actually help me with what I'm trying to do in my totally. space? And let me go do that. Other than, yep, yep. let me go ahead and pay you guys another 60, 80,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think too, right? It also, it depends, I think, also on what your ultimate end goal is, right? Exactly. Like some people, if you do, right? If you do want to go and work in corporate America, right? And you do want to be an SVP, like, lots of times you do right like I went to I went to a school where like there were certain jobs that didn't even come to other schools right they only came to our schools certain companies right they would only come to the top five business schools right just because of the caliber right and so like if that is right if that's what you want to do I think it's I think it makes sense, right? To go where you think it's gonna get you there the fastest, right? Like there are definitely times when I think that makes but to your point, like if you feel like, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, right? Or I'm going to do this other thing. You probably don't need all of the accreditations and accolade, right? Because a lot of that is about getting you into the room, right? It's about getting you access, right? I had never met people who had built, you know, million dollar companies until I went to business school. I didn't know people who worked for Warren Buffett until I went to business school, you know? And so you just, you end up meeting people and being in circles, that you just can't get access to. And I do think sometimes for Black people in general, a lot of our struggle is we don't have access, right? We don't that have access so to There's the information. So we don't have access to the way that the wealthy do things, right? And so it's when you get access to that, that then you can be like, okay, cool. Like now I got how this works. I can take this mm-hmm. on my own and I'm going to twist it and I'll do it in a different way. But I do think it's funny. My sisters and I were talking about this the other day, like, I think for like my parents' generation, that was a big part of it, right? A part of it was just understanding how do you even build wealth, right? Like, what does that even look like? Because for so long, we as a people were basically not given opportunities to build wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they were, they were the generation that like sent us all to the schools and had us all get tons of degrees, right? And we all did that. And came out, you know, super achievement, right? Making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now we're all like, huh, like we <laughs> did all of that. But I don't know if I love what I'm doing, right? And so I think this is the the next level of having the flexibility to be able to change, right? And switch and do Absolutely. something that is more of our own than something that is you know, just following in that corporate or being an attorney or, you know, I have so many 
who are lawyers and they do. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They have very, very, very beautiful, comfortable lives, but it comes at a price for sure. It does. It does. And it's, that's why I think it's about everyone. Like what price do you want to pay? Also, like how much of your time and energy do you want to have to give? How much, like, what do you want your life to look like? Because a lot of us have just been sold the American dream. So American dream says you better go to college. You better go get a good corporate job. You stay with that job. It's going to give you great benefits. Maybe if you start getting a little snazzy, you know, oh, I'm going (laughs) to go give me a better raise by switching companies. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, to get better benefits and raises faster. But that's pretty much what you do. You get... You get your pick, your house, white picket fence, dog, yep, yep. Have kids, and you're good to go. And so um, that is that is a path. That is, is a legitimate yeah. path that people can take. But also I'm seeing that path to be more so um, for just like my generation and a lot of us to say like, no, we don't want that. Like, yeah, people say I want that job. Like, I don't want to hate Mondays. Exactly. Hates Mondays. Everyone's hating what they do from day to day. Yeah. Um, yep. And even though I ended up having like my dream job, so to speak, mm-hmm. it still wasn't the job that I really wanted to do. Like yeah, yeah. That's what made me create my business was because I couldn't find what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. such as building wealth and teaching people how to do that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find a way to do that in corporate. Inside of a comfort. Yeah. 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 Like other, com- they're not doing that in that way. There's a lot of other underhanded ways such as like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to sell you insurance or an annuity or life insurance or whatever. And you don't even know what my motive is versus now I can be like, oh, okay, well, instead of us taking that route, let's instead uh, look at what your budget and your saving and your things and what investment strategy works best for you. And like, you know, so we're able to talk more and I love real estate. So I'm biased to real estate. I feel like (laughs) the best way to build wealth. I agree. I mean, I don't want to say like, I'm not right. I agree. (laughs) Not for, but I, but I agree, right? Like everything is a path. Right. And I think that's one of the things that I've had to come to is there are some things that work for me. Like some people do not want to deal with tenants. Like they're just like, I don't want it. I don't care for it. Like not, not my thing. Not for me. Like Like, they want something more passive and that's perfectly fine. So I love that. So it's just like everyone, but that's where I'm like big on, like trying to help people to find their path because just because I love real estate, all of my clients are not into real estate. All of my clients don't go into real estate. Some of them just want the lazy way of stocks. And some of them they want to like invest in real real estate stocks or like syndications and things like that, where it's like hands off. They're like, hey, let me get a piece of that pie and that kind of return without Mm -hmm. having none of the day To do all the other pieces. Yep, exactly, exactly. So it's just like us finding our niche and what works for us and what's going to like, what we're going to actually stick to, to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Like what it, what, cause I remember I had a friend too, when I was looking at, um, well, I have a friend who bought a business. Um, but I have another friend. I mean, we we all have, like have bought some sort of real estate, and so I had a friend, and he's always like, "Why are you guys doing that? Like, just <laughs> invest in stocks." He was like, "I make all of my money from stocks," and we were like, "But they're just so boring." Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, I like, I love real estate. Like, I just think houses are beautiful, and I right into my other friend, like. She loves businesses, right? She loves going in, becoming the CEO, learning the operations. Like that sounds like the worst thing to me. I'm like, I do not want to buy somebody else's business and have to deal with all of that drama. But everybody has their thing, right? And so I think knowing, right, knowing yourself 
and knowing what is the thing that gets you excited and motivated to get your finances in order. Because for me, a part of it was what I wanted to be able to have for my daughter. It was where I wanted to live, right? It was my it was my vision of what I wanted my life to be like. And I was like, I don't want to wait till I'm 60 to have that life. Exactly. I want that life sooner. And so how do I start to put things in place to get to that place a lot faster and to do it in a different way? And sometimes it's all of those things, right? Like I'm actually interested in a lot of different types of in, um, investments, but I've sort of said like, okay, where am I going to focus? Where do I want to hone in based on what really gets me excited and motivated? So real estate got you excited. That's why you went for the triplex. How long did yes. it take you before you got the triplex? Did you just get it last year or? No. Um, oh, well, actually, well, technically, yes. I think it was like end of 2021. Okay. Yeah, like 2021. Yep. And what state are you in now? Because you said you moved from Chicago. Now I am in D.C. Oh, nice. So you're not too far away from me. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? Actually, I don't even I'm know. I'm in Virginia. But I'm in oh, Virginia. that's right. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm in, yeah, right outside of DC in Maryland, Silver Spring. Awesome. That is lovely. Oh, well, we're going to have to talk later, see if you know some of my folks that I know up there. <laughs> I know, probably. <laughs> yes. It's small but enough space for sure. It is, it is. So that's lovely. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense also, like to do the numbers to be able to get a triplex because I'm like, uh, I'm thinking triplex in Chicago. One, where does it exist? Because <laughs> I'm always thinking high rises, you know. No, yeah. So like, I mean, I think what's but, great about Chicago is I always say Chicago is, um, I feel like it's a lot like DC, because I grew up in this area and then I left and then came back. And I feel like Chicago is like, probably like 10 years behind DC and that like downtown Chicago, right. Is all high rises, but the city of Chicago is actually pretty, it spreads across much bigger than DC. Mm -hmm. DC is like super tiny. So um, there's actually a lot of neighborhoods that are just starting to, to sort of turn and shift. Right. And so like they always have the joke that you follow where the, you follow where the hipsters are and that definitely becomes the next hot neighborhood. Um, and so like just having lived there for a while and I knew the area, I mean, again, like some of them, you know, you may, some people would say maybe they're not safe. So, you know, if you house hack it and it's, you have to know that you're okay doing that for a little while. Um, but uh, there's, I mean, a ton of these neighborhoods that just like, oh, not overnight, but like very quickly, right. You can see the investment, you can see the money. Um, and so think I think it would be a lot more expensive there. That's, that's just like my thought. Like it would be a lot more expensive in Chicago than maybe like the Maryland area. But oh no, Maryland is extremely expensive. So I mean, that is the biggest problem is the DC Maryland area is unbelievably expensive. And mostly because there's not a lot of, I shouldn't say, that. I mean, I haven't really looked in Maryland for more like multi-units, but DC is untouchable. Like DC oh, yeah. But, unbelievably but expensive. is it more expensive is the maryland area more expensive than chicago oh yes by far i mean i could i could buy like a mansion in chicago now granted it would be in the suburb but i live in the suburbs right of maryland but if i lived in the suburbs of chicago i mean you could have like a mansion for the size of like a three-bedroom in maryland now it depends on where in maryland right so if you're further out in like Cambridge or maybe like tested, you know, like if you're like really, really far out, but the closer you get to DC, the more expensive, the more expensive it is. Right. And so, because I generally want to be somewhat close to DC, like I prefer DC more so than Baltimore. Um, Baltimore is an area though, that I think 
there is some potential to look there. It's just one of those areas that I've always been very wary of because for as long as I have lived, <laughs> when I grew up in this area, they have been trying to turn Baltimore around. And so I'm just never sure if that's really going to happen. <laughs> um, and there's just a lot of like, you have to know, you have to know block by block very well, like where to go in Baltimore. Whereas I know Maryland and I know DC really well. And so one of my other goals is to try to maybe pull some different people to buy a property in DC because DC just generally has a return that is just strong because of the federal government. There's always people coming into the city. Definitely. The price, you know, the values generally are always going up. Um, and people are almost always looking for somewhere to live because there's always an influx and outflux of um, administrations. And Did you do workers. Virginia then? I have not lived in Virginia, no. So okay, I'm mostly so your in... is in Maryland or D.C.? No, no, only in Chicago. I don't have anything in Maryland. Oh, okay. Oh, so it is in Chicago. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I thought it was here in, uh, like, the DMV area. No, no, no. It's what way, it? it's way, way, way cheaper to buy a multi-unit in Chicago than it is here. So, so I you're mean, a long-distance landlord. Yeah, for now, which is not always great. <laughs> but yes, yes. So that is actually a big, um, that is a big shift. Because <laughs> it's you easier like when it? you're close by than it is when you're remote. Um, it depends. I've had some tough tenants, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but I mean, for the most part, like you have to have a good handyman. You have to have good people, right? That are easy, that are that are around, that can help the help keep things on board. And so for the most part, that's, um, that's what I've done sort of after moving out of it. But I think, um, I'm not sure if I would do it again. Yeah, <laughs> at the time it made, right. At the time it made some sense just because, right. Like I knew, I knew Chicago way better than I knew this area. Cause I just lived there for most of my adult life. And yeah. so I knew neighborhoods enough. I had a really great, you know, real estate agent. I knew mortgage people, right. So it was just a lot easier to to find something and know if it was a good deal. I think here, it'll just take me some time to make sure I, I understand the neighborhoods as well and can think about where's a good place to buy, but hopefully maybe. <laughs> DC is the one where, where I would like to purchase something, but DC is a, is insanely expensive. So I don't know. Oh, you want to do it. You've already yeah. put your mind to it, so you're going to do it. So I, I, so. I can't I'll wait say. to hear about your properties that you've acquired in DC. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It'll either be a property <laughs> or a hotel. That's the other thing that's on my sight line. So Ooh, we'll nice yeah, hotel. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I um, I mean, without sort of saying, so I work, I work for a hospitality company, and so I was talking to, you know, I talked to one of the on my podcast, right, the Independent Mom. One of the first guests I had on was my sister, um, and she does um, basically wealth management for a, a large bank. And one of the things she talked about was sort of this owner mentality. And I was, and she was laughing because, you know, I was saying how, um, you know, I work in hospitality, but my quest has always been, how do I own a hotel, right? So I want to learn how do we develop hotels? How do we pick up owners? What are some of the criteria, right? And so I think that is an interesting strategy as well as if there is a space or a thing that you think you may want to own one day. How do you put yourself in a spot where you can learn more, where you are making the relationships, where you can be where the discussions are had? Um, because otherwise, sometimes, like I said before, otherwise we don't always have access, right? Like someone's not just going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, do you want to contribute to a five, you know, $5 million pot or that we're trying to put together for a hotel? 
Um, but so you have to be able to be in the spaces where you can be around owners who might be doing those things. And so I think yeah. always being really strategic about where do you want to go and what are you trying to do and how even your job, right, can maybe potentially yeah. help you get closer to that. It can, it can. I used to work for a commercial real estate company and mm -hmm. employees, they would end up having the opportunity to get in on those like big deals oh. um, for like city centers and like multiple properties and things like that. Now they didn't pay you enough for you to really get in there. But, <laughs> right, exactly. But at least having a con connection where it's like, hmm, yeah. I start making enough money here, I could do that. Obviously I didn't make enough money there, so I had to go, go somewhere. With <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Yeah. Like I have yeah. a friend, she told me about something recently though, where they, I think they're, the the minimum raise was only like $10,000 or $20,000. And I was like, are you sure? Because that is like insanely low. Um, so mm -hmm. there are opportunities, right? If you can there find are. them, you can put, you know, you can put something in. I think that's really important. Yeah, there were some people that put in like $10,000 on the commercial properties and yep. like, and they would get a check each month and I would write them their checks each wow. month. Yeah. So get, even if it was just a few hundred dollars, I mean, like, you know, they were able to get a seat at the table with the big dogs and yep. start create wealth for their families. And I think that's just the biggest thing making sure you get a seat and you're able to sit at that table and yes a chunk of the pie right yeah you ain't gotta own the whole thing that's like, right that's right a chunk is enough sometimes i love that i love that well i i don't want to steal you all day <laughs> because i have enjoyed talking to you and talking about finances i could do it all day so we're going to do our next segment before we close out um, so I always ask each guest to tell me a question that they have about finances, um, that they would like for me to cover or to go over. Did you have one in mind right now? Or I can give what you have put on your app. Yeah. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what you had said, my main area right now is taxes. As I start my mm. business, I want to understand the best tax strategies to be able to build a legacy for my daughter. Yes. Um, Okay. So I love that. I love taxes, everything tax. Um, but the biggest thing when it comes to taxes is being able to legally <laughs> minimize yes, yes. how much you owe Uncle Sam. And so the, you can't really do that with a W-2. You have mm -hmm. to do that through businesses or investments. And um, the biggest way is going to be able to have like majority of your source of income. It can come from a passive source so that you can benefit from the 0, 15, 20, um taxes instead of you know it going up to the like 30 something odd percent yep. Yep. um that we get on regular wages but like on real estate or stock market investments mm -hmm. we pay we can pay nothing or you know 15 or 20 percent so that's one of the benefits of having more passive income another way is being able to have more deductions and things mm -hmm. that you can write off as a business owner that you can't write off as an everyday person um yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're using your phone for your job, you don't get to use that as a write-off on your taxes. Sure, yeah. But if you use your phone for your business, you do get to write that off. You get to write off your phone costs and your phone bill. Like 
50 percent or however much the percentage is that you're using it for business versus personal um so being able to look at some of those everyday things that we can't normally deduct that are normal expenses for us how we can deduct those such as like having a home office um having that as a deduction um being able to have vehicles for some people they are able to depreciate their vehicles because they're going around meeting with clients in these vehicles and so that could be a very big deduction Mm -hmm. you have to have Mm -hmm. a car anyway that's not to say to right, go get an right. expensive car because now I get it <laughs> right. like, that's not what I'm saying because a lot of people right. are like, Ooh, that BMW or oh I know a Rolls Royce uh, no. like, you know? <laughs> and it's like calm down like just <laughs> you still have to afford it yeah exactly yes. Because I hate when people look at it like, oh, I'm going to be able to get a tax deduction for this. <laughs> You're going to write off 100% of Right, exactly. Like, you spent $100,000 to get a $30,000 write-off. Like, yeah, that's not equaling that, out. That's not a good idea. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Totally. Yeah. So, but also just being able to utilize that. So there's just a lot of tax advantages that come from us having businesses, real estate, Real estate is the biggest one with how we can depreciate it mm-hmm. and how we can um, take that because depreciation is not a real expense that right, yeah. we have. So it doesn't actually reduce the amount in our bank accounts, but it reduces our tax liability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's why I love real estate because it's so powerful. Like with stocks, whatever you get, you can go ahead and yeah. you know, pay yeah. less taxes on it. But with real estate, on your income, you get to have the lower rates, but also on your expenses, you really get to reduce a whole lot of um, tax liability mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. things that aren't necessarily paper losses or like or there yeah. are paper losses that aren't necessarily like actual hard actual losses. loss. Yeah, yes, so that is going to be the best way to me. That's why I am a real estate junkie, and um, <laughs> I I just I swear by it because I just feel like as long as we figure out the strategic way to do about it as with anything we can make mistakes we can do yeah that's fair and we can wind up in a bad predicament um but there's a lot of people that got rich from 2008 oh yeah a lot of people that like if I had been buying in 2008 instead of having to sell that would have been yeah And, and also too like I just I hadn't planned to, I mean, I had planned to go to business school, but when I bought the property, I wasn't thinking about like, oh, maybe I'll go to business school. And so <laughs> when I had to leave and I was like, ooh, what do I do? Um, but yeah, I think, to, I mean, honestly, I think I would have been fine if I wasn't a condo, if I had just bought a house. So that's yeah. always my like number one, <laughs> buy I a property. <laughs> Not buy I don't a like condo. condos and I don't like homeowner associations. Yeah. Um, you guys are really just I'm paying you to be a thorn in my side. I'll pass. Yes, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, that's just the other thing to think of. But yeah, that's all I have about the tax part. Um, <laughs> very quickly, this episode is sponsored by the Financial Freedom Plan, where I help you to create your custom financial plan to reach your dream goals and live your dream life daily. Um, if you're interested, feel free to book a free financial breakthrough call at bdsmithfinancial.com slash work with me, or just go to bdsmithfinancial.com and click one of the many schedule call buttons and it'll take you where you need to go. So uh, thank you so much for being Thank here. you. I appreciate you. 
do you have anything that you want to give to the audience for how they can connect with you or stay in touch? Um, you have an amazing podcast that I was, you know. Yes, yes, you were on. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so please listen into the Independent Mom podcast on all um, podcast platforms. And then also you can find me on Instagram at the same name, The Independent Mom. Um, and so that's where I'll share all my gems and goodies um, and hopefully a few things coming up soon that I'll be launching. So please uh, get connected. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week.